so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward what is, I'm sorry, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So exciting news is that Kids Church is coming back next week. Um, we have a roster together despite the number of pregnancies and things that are, uh, well, the pregnancies are ending during the next term, which is why we have a shortage of leaders. But it would still be great to have some more helpers. And so uh, we're still appealing for some one-offs or some, some two-offs or three-offs even for term three. Uh, so if you uh, think you can do that, there's a link on our website on the Kids Church page you can fill out. You can let me know. You can let Selena know uh, uh, this morning and she will, you will be her best friend. If you walk up to her and say, I want to help out, how can I help with Kids Church? Um, And so we do have a shortage, especially for Term 3, because some people need to take that term off. Um, And so what we are asking, if you've missed this over the last few weeks for whatever reason, um, we are asking some people who wouldn't normally consider themselves an option for Kids Church to to, to help out once or twice uh, next term to see that happen. Um, and so, as, as Dan said, there are some kids' activities at the back if you, if you want to make use of those uh, during this morning. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've uh, had a real focus on our kids, and so um, this morning, uh, we're just inviting them to have some fun. So it's going to be a little bit noisier. It's going to be a little bit more distracting than when kids' church is on. Uh, but I also believe that um, God's uh, able to speak to us this morning. And so this morning, I want to do something that is a little bit different to a normal sermon where we might have one theme or one idea or one Bible passage and we'll unpack that and all the points are connected together. Uh, this morning, uh, we're kind of halfway through the year or we've ticked over halfway through the year uh, and there's just a number of things uh, on my heart that I just wanted to share with the church or encourage the church in uh, before we uh, jumped into another series. Um, so this morning, I'm calling it a half-time huddle. Okay, we're halfway through the year, so we're going to huddle up together as Team YCBC. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a look at a thought about where are we, but more importantly, where are we headed throughout the rest of the year. Now, uh, some of you would know, some of you may not know that I used to play rugby. Um, 
and, and, and uh, it was often the case I didn't play for a very successful team, um, so we didn't win a lot of games, but um, it was often the case that the second half of the game would be very different to the first, that, that something would happen in this halftime moment that would inspire a team, uh, usually the other team, unfortunately, because um, we'd be in it at the first half and then in the second half we'd get thrashed, but something would happen in this halftime moment. That would, that would change the destiny of the rest of the game. It's a pivotal moment. Uh, if you're a State of Origin watcher, you'll, you, you, we saw this in the first game of State of Origin where New South Wales were on top, they were winning, they were conquering the evil foe. Uh, and then at half-time, something must have happened at half-time because they came out in the second half and got bashed to bits by the Queenslanders and, and they won. Uh, we praise the Lord that they won the series. Um, thanks to Merrily, our friend's prayers, she said she was praying throughout that, that uh, New South Wales would win. Uh, and, and so this is a moment for us to huddle together as a church. Um, I want to say we're, we're going good. The first half has been good. We've been doing well. And, and as a church, we've had growth not just in the first half of this year, but we've had growth as a church in a number of ways. Not just numbers, we've grown in numbers, but we've grown in a number of ways. And, and so these encouragements I want to give this morning, please don't let the enemy translate them as criticisms. There's no criticism this morning. I'm encouraging us around three key things, but, but, but please don't hear me saying, you're not good enough at this, you're not good enough at that, and you're not good enough at that. These are three areas that I just think God's putting on my heart for us to go uh, harder at and deeper at and invest more uh, intently in. And, and so it's this sense of Philippians chapter 3 that, that Veronica read for us this morning. Um, I don't have slides this morning, but we do have the verses in the Bible app event if you're, if you're someone who uses that. Um, but in Philippians chapter 3, in verses 12 and 14, part of what Veronica read, it says this. Paul has talked about his goal, his vision for his life, but he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, amidst the middle of the year, amidst the stress of trying to make a kids' church roster work with less people, amidst the, the stress of trying to make a worship roster work with, with less people, because some of those people, a lot of those people are the same people. Um, amidst the midway point, the winter doldrums uh, of, of living in Yass or, or, or wherever we live, where we're visiting this morning, amidst the noise of having you know, all of our beautiful children in us, in with us for this time, I want to encourage us as a church ultimately to press on in three key ways. And so this is a, we're doing great, but we've not yet obtained all that God has for us, I believe. Uh, and as Paul, who, who had such great encounters with God, if he was able to say, this is my vision to, 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 to know Jesus, but I haven't attained it all yet then we're certainly able to say there's something to press on to. 
And so I want to give you three encouragements this morning. My impulse is to want to click to the next slide um, because I'm in such a habit, but I don't have slides. But the first thing I want to encourage us around this morning is for us to keep the vision God-sized. Keep the vision God-sized. And so I want to encourage us as a church that we have seen so much growth in numbers, but we've also seen so much growth in people's faith. And as a pastor, it's been a joy to see people growing and, and sharing with me what, what God's been doing in their life and, 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 sh- and hearing people share with others. What a testimony this morning of, of Kate inviting others who, who kind of learnt about the faith last year at Alpha and is this year inviting others, come and see, come and see. And, and so we've grown in our faith in such a, a great way as individuals in the church. But I want to encourage us not to settle with where we're at, but to keep the vision of what God wants to do in our life God-sized. In the first part of that that reading that uh, Veronica did for us this morning in verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's goal is to know Christ, but, but why would he say that? He's already clearly got a relationship with Jesus. He's just said a few verses earlier that he considers everything rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus. He clearly knows Jesus. So why would Paul say, I want to know Christ, I want to know the power of his resurrection, I want to be made like him in his death and in his life, I want to know Christ, why would he say that? When he's clearly already a believer, he's already a Christian, he's already ticked that box. Why would he say that? I believe it's because Paul has a God-sized vision of what knowing Christ looks like. It's not just about, yeah, I know Jesus, I've ticked that box, I'm a Christian, I'm a part of a church, I, I have faith, I'm saved. Paul's vision's much more than, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. His vision is, I want to know Christ. And there's always so much more of Jesus to know and comprehend than we ever possibly know and comprehend right now. This is from a man who, who encountered the risen, resurrected, glorified, ascended Jesus who had such a profound encounter with Jesus that it turned him from a, a murderer of Christians to a planter of churches. I, I can't imagine a person in the New Testament amongst those disciples, even though, though Paul didn't walk with Jesus during his ministry, I can't imagine a person that, that knew Jesus in the fullness of his glory more profoundly than Paul did. Yet he maintains the vision of wanting to know Christ. Of wanting to, to see the power of his resurrection at work in his own life. To be made like him. And so I want to encourage us this morning to keep the vision for your life, for your faith in Jesus, God's size. Never settle for a mediocre life or a mediocre faith. Never settle for anything less than a God-sized vision for your walk with Jesus. 
I want to encourage you to press on towards the goal for which Jesus took hold of you. Press on towards the goal for which Jesus took hold of you. Never, ever get to a place in your faith where you're like, this is enough. I'm happy to plateau here. I'm happy to be a Christian, read my Bible a couple times a week and go to church. Those things are all great things, but never, never let anything be the plateau in the life of your faith. But I also want to encourage us as a church to keep our collective vision God-sized, to have a God-sized vision for yourself and your faith in Jesus, but keep our collective vision God-sized. I want to encourage us that we have had growth in our faith, but we have grown as a church. Over the past four or five years, we've grown 10% a year until we hit this year, and it's about 15% in the growth of the, our church. And, and excitingly, we had 11 baptisms earlier in the year, and that's so exciting to see that God is moving in our town and in our church in that way. We've had growth, yes, but, but I want to remind you that God desires all people to be saved. In 1 Timothy 2, 3, 6, the Apostle Paul's writing to his, his son in the faith, uh, Timothy, and he says, One Timothy two, I mean three. One Timothy two verses three to six. He says, "This is good and pleases God our Savior." He's he's talking about praying for all people. Praying for all people is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Because there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. That is the man Jesus Christ. And so God's desire is that all people would be saved and come into a knowledge of the truth. He desires that because there is no other name than Jesus by which a person can be saved. There's only one mediator between God and humanity. And so God desires all people to be saved. And so it is so exciting to see our church grow. It is so exciting to see 11 uh, people baptized. And the scripture tells us that when one single person uh, is saved in the name of Jesus, there's a party in heaven. And we shouldn't belittle the celebration around that. But I also want to say that's a drop in the ocean compared to what God wants to do in this town of Yass and the surrounding communities. I sometimes talk about the 6,000, which is just my completely uh, rounded number of, of those that in Yas that aren't actively involved in faith. Just off a rusk guess of, you know, give each church about 100 people, that leaves about 6,000. That's not even counting Murrum Bateman and, and, and the towns around, and we, we know God wants to see them saved as well. And so I, I want to encourage us as a church, as we're at our halftime huddle, and I think that half-time sense is, is bigger than just this year. We're at a growth, we've been at a growth point. We're at a point where we're considering our future around buildings and things like that. And so I want to encourage us, just as we never want to settle for a mediocre or a plateau in our personal faith, let's never settle with where we're at as a church whilst there's still so much to do. Let's never settle with where we're at at the church while there's still so many who are lost, who are not yet saved. 
And so when we talk about buildings, when we talk about staffing, and, and, and you know, I'd love to see all this grow, when we talk about budget, it's not about money, it's not about buildings, it's not about just employing people, it's about a desire to grow so that we might see and he, see more people come to faith, that more people might hear about Jesus and be saved. And so one of those things, we employ Carl to, to run a few things in the church uh, and those things take much more time than the amount of time that we actually employ him for uh, and that's coming out of an outreach budget. But I just want to encourage you that we had 98 people, mostly no connection to church here on Monday to come and watch a, mu- a movie in our space. Uh, I, my, my place in that is behind the cafe counter uh, and the number of people that said, oh, you know, how do I pay for the movie? Oh, we just do that for free. Okay, wow. The number of people who they do pay for their popcorn are like, you need to charge more for your food. The number of people that, that, were, that were tangibly blessed by being a part of that, out of that 98, was I think probably about 100%. Yeah, and then Carl ran a play group uh, during the week, and, and I don't know the numbers on that, but we had 25, then 15, then 20, like over 130 people across those four days of play group, most of those not part of our church, not part of a church, just connecting and engaging with us as a church. And so that's what you know that budget thing of employing Carl does, but I'd love to see that grow. But we're not talking about, oh, we just want to pay people more. It's not just about jobs for the boys or the girls. It's about wanting more people to know Jesus and resourcing the church to be able to do that. How do we know if the vision's God-sized? Well, a quick test is, do you feel like you can do it? Do you feel like it's possible? And if you think it is, then it's probably not God-sized. So the first thing I want to encourage us around is that, to keep your vision, to keep our vision together God-sized. The second thing I want to encourage us around as we're in our half-time huddle, as we're about to run back out on the field, um, is to keep your giving faith-filled. Keep the vision God-side, keep the, your giving faith-filled. And so I want to encourage us in this area as well. We're, we're, we're a generous church. We've been doing well with our giving. Uh, over 18 months ago when we hit a, a bit of a crisis moment in our finances as a church, the, the church's response to that was phenomenal. And I was blown away by the level of giving that took place. Um, to get us out of that crisis. And so now we're, we've been blessed this year, though we've actually had a little dip in our giving this year, we've been blessed to have a buffer in our bank account. And so I want to encourage us that when I talk about money, it's not, oh, we don't have enough money anymore. It's not an appeal to, to bail us out again as a church. It's an encouragement to be faith-filled in our giving. It's an invitation to a greater investment in the local church. And I say this over and over again, I believe there's no more, whether you're a part of this church or visiting this morning, there's no more valuable investment you can make with your money than investing it into a, a local church that is passionate about Jesus and reaching the lost. I don't believe there is a more valuable investment you can make with your money. And so as we think about our giving this morning, I just want to touch on, on two examples of giving uh, in the New Testament. And the first one is found in Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, and I'm just going to read part of this story, but it's about the feeding of the 5,000. 
Uh, sorry, no, this is the, 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 the woman's offering, the widow's offering. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44, we're told that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciple to him, Jesus said, disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had. So this woman put in everything she had, not giving out of her wealth. I want to read one more story and then we're going to have a look at it. This is the feeding of the 5,000 and I'm going to read it from John chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And so that Jesus had taught a crowd of 5,000 men plus their women and children, so anywhere between 5,000 and you know, 15,000 people were there and Jesus uh, and his disciples realized these people aren't going to make it home if they're not fed. And so Jesus told his disciples, well, feed them. And so in John chapter 6, verses 5, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. This is just a side note. Sometimes when you become aware of your lack of resources to meet what God's put on your heart, Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He's just putting it there as an opportunity for you to exercise your faith. It's not that Jesus doesn't know how he's going to meet the lack. He already knows what he's going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a little bite. The financial cost of feeding all these people was going to be enormous. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go amongst so many? And I want to share these stories because I think some of us sometimes get into the headspace of like, I've only got a couple copper coins. What's the point? I don't have much to give. I don't have much that's, that's mine to give. Either because we don't, I don't have much or, or because, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm sharing finances with another person that doesn't see giving with the same aspect of me and so there's only this little portion that I have, have that's mine to give. And, and so we might think, well, what's the point? What difference is that going to make? What difference is two copper coins going to make and I want to say to us this morning if that's where we're at then Jesus would say those copper coins were far more than anyone else gave that widow giving her offering it's interesting he didn't say she gave a greater proportion and so it's a, a larger expression of faith he said she gave far more see in God's eyes it's not about how much it's about how deep the sacrifice when we give we might think, well, there's, there's, there's eight and a half thousand people to feed and I've got, I've only got a packet of bread and a, a, a box of frozen fish fingers. 
I mean, I could offer that, but, but what's the point? What's the point? Not everybody's even going to get a crumb. What's the point of offering that? But if you know the end of the story, and I believe most of us would, uh, but I'm going to read it just in case. If you know the end of the story, the answer to how far will such a small offering go is far further than we ever could have dreamed. In John chapter 6, verse 11, it says that then Jesus took the loaves, this packet of bread rolls, and gave thanks and he distributed those who were seated as, the, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish fingers. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. We might feel like what we have to give is not worth that much or fairly pointless. Or we might feel like, well, I'm giving and I could increase it by, you know, 30 cents or $5 or whatever, but, but what's the point of that little, little increase? But I want to remind us that it's not about the amount, it's about the level of sacrifice. In Jesus' eyes, two copper coins is more than a sack full of gold coins that a rich person gives. In Jesus' eyes, a small boy's lunch is more than enough to feed 10,000 people and to have more left over with than they started with. And so I want to encourage us around our giving this morning, not because we lack, not because we need a bailout as a church, because when we give in faith, God does great things. When we give in faith, God does great things. And so if you're not giving to the local church at all, there's no guilt, there's no shame this morning. I don't know who gives what. That's, that, there's no assessment that we do in that way. But I want to encourage you to make a start wherever you can. Whatever God puts on your heart, whatever you have capacity to give, I want to encourage you to start. If you're already giving, I simply want to encourage you to keep going. I want to encourage us, all of us, to wherever we are at with our giving, to grow that towards 10%. Not because we have to. I think 10% is a good ballpark number based on the Old Testament tithe, but I don't believe we're legally bound um, to, to a particular number under grace. But, but I want us to move beyond the have-tos and the shoulds and just grow to a place where, where it's a joy to give. And you know, 10% is a good number. You're not going to hell if you don't, certainly. You're not less of a believer if if your number's two or three or four or five or, or one or, and you're not more of a believer if your number's 50. But 10% represents a, a, a level of sacrifice for, for God that, to be honest, I, I find challenging with our own finances. 
And I shared as a testimony, like, for the first time in ever increasing our offering a few weeks ago when I did our budget again and thought, oh, we need to grow that. For the first time ever, that was a joyful moment. It's always been, and I confess, there's been times I'm like, that's a fortnightly offering, what if I multiply that by 20? But the, the blessing of God is that when we're faithful with our giving, He'll bring us to a place of joy with it. And I don't say this to, to in any sense, you know, be prideful or anything like that, but, but God has worked in my heart to bring me to a place where it is actually a joy to give. But it started with a little bit and then a little bit more and then a commitment. I'm gonna, it's going to be 10%. And then the testimony recently was because we're looking at moving houses and things like that. I redid our budget and like, oh, it's not 10% anymore. And so uh, I don't want you to hear any guilt or shame or, or, or that you're less than, but I do want to encourage us to move beyond the have-tos and how much should it be to a desire to give and to grow and to invest into the local church. But the bottom line here is when we give with faith, it's not about the amount, it's not about the total figure, it's about a, a commitment, a faith-filled sacrifice of our finances to God's kingdom. When we give with faith, God does great things. Let's keep the vision God-sized. Let's keep our giving faith-filled. And finally, final encouragement, the most blessed words you can ever hear from a preacher, finally, or blessed word. Finally, I want to encourage us to keep, to stay plugged in. To stay plugged in. In in John fifteen chapter to five, sorry, John chapter fifteen verse five. Um, such a life giving verse in my life is is this. It says, "I am the vine." That's Jesus. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. If a person remains in he in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I want to encourage us in our half-time huddle as we look towards the second part of the year and that second part of the year involves Christmas and New Year and, and, and the crazy season, we would call it. I want to encourage us to stay plugged into Jesus. The temptation as life gets busy is to, is to disconnect and to, to try and you know, get by without doing the things that we do personally to stay plugged into Jesus. And so I want to encourage us as we head back out onto the field after halftime to double down on our commitment to stay plugged into Jesus. Because the temptation is there to not plug in, but when we're not plugged in, the sum total of what we can achieve is nothing. It might feel like winning for a while if we, if we clear out some Jesus space and, and, and we've got all that extra time and we've got all that extra sleep in if we're a morning plug-in person or, 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 or whatever it is. It might feel like winning for a little while, but Jesus reminds us in his own words, if we're not connected in the vine, all we can achieve is absolutely nothing. I want to encourage you to stay plugged into Jesus, but I also want to encourage you to stay plugged in to the church, to the body of Christ. 
In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so I want to encourage us to stay plugged in to Jesus and stay plugged into his body, the church. Uh, one of our, uh, I'm not going to name names this morning, but I've got permission to share this. One of our, our church family shared this, it was on Facebook, but it was such a, it just captured so beautifully this, this, this uh, kind of idea that, that Jesus is my everything. All I need is Jesus, but he hasn't created me to be alone. And in fact, Jesus is the source of everything I need, and, and part of what I need is a community of people. A body, a church. And and so I want to encourage us not to get into this idea of, yes, I just need Jesus, I just need Jesus, and and I don't need his church. Actually, the church is the gift of Jesus through which so much of his revitalizing presence flows. And so as we head throughout the rest of the year, I want to encourage us to stay plugged personally into Jesus, but stay plugged into his church. And I don't just mean, you know, of course mean do your best to be here on a Sunday morning. But I also mean try and be in a life group. And, and, and I apologise for those who've, who've expressed a desire to be in a life group and the admin hasn't connected all of that up yet, but there's also many more life groups than we once had. And so please be patient as we kind of gradually and slowly and admittedly clunkingly roll that out. But I don't just mean church and I don't just mean church gatherings and I don't just mean life groups. Stay plugged in with one another. We've just had a series about what's the culture of the church and, and that involves encouraging one another and serving one another and all those things. So stay connected with each other. Stay plugged in. And we've had some visitors here this week, uh, Marilee and her girls and her boyfriend Arden um, have been staying with us. Um, Arden's actually Baptist royalty because um, his last name is Beach. Um, so Arden's uncle was the pastor of my previous church, Grace Point, um, not, not for the, the last 15 years, but before that for about 26 years. And his parents were missionaries in Bolivia and uh, so Baptist royalty. But, but Arden, as we were having um, a quiet drink last night uh, at the Yas Hotel with Marilee and, and, and uh, Christy and I, uh, we were just, they were just talking about what are you going to talk about tomorrow and, um, and Arden just kind of said, sometimes it's a bit like a phone. It can last a while without being plugged in. But eventually it's going to go flat. And the harder we work it, the more busy things become with our phone, the quicker it goes flat without being plugged in. Perhaps the older our phones get, I know that's true for my phone, uh, the more frequently it needs to be plugged in. I don't know if that applies um, or not. But what it does mean is we don't get to a place of maturity and faith that we no longer need to be plugged into Jesus and his body. And yeah, it, it can go a night without being plugged in and it'll be okay and you get through the next day. And if it's brand new and shiny, it might go a few days, but, but it needs to keep been plugged in and so our faith is like that if we're not plugged in to Jesus and his church eventually 
it'll ultimately go flat. So I want to encourage us. We're just about to head back out onto the field. We're just about to sing the team song, um, which you don't usually do at half time, but we'll stretch the analogy. Um, I want to encourage us to stay plugged in. Don't give up the habit of meeting together. Don't give up the habit of connecting together, of encouraging one another. Stay plugged in. I want to encourage us as we head back out onto the field to take steps of, of being faith-filled in our giving. Perhaps that just means I'm going to keep going with my giving even though it's a battle. Perhaps that means I'm going to start giving something even though it seems insignificant. Perhaps that means I'm going to grow to that place of my giving that I never thought I'd ever be able to go. But, but whatever that looks like for each of us, I want to encourage us to be faith-filled in our giving. But I want to end with where I started and my, and my ultimate encouragement for us as a church and for each of us as individuals is to keep the vision God-sized. Let's press on. It's only half time. Let's press on. God is bigger, more powerful, more loving. As Bill Johnson would say, God is gooder than we could possibly know. So I want to encourage you to stand with me and I'm going to pray and then we're going to release our, our worship team to lead us in song. Thanks, kids. You've been joy-filled and great this morning and we love you. Thanks for being here. and We're looking forward, for your sake, to Kids Church next week. Thanks, team for letting me do something a little bit different and, and have completely disconnected thoughts and ideas and dump them all on you at once. Let's have a great second half, hey? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so big. You are so strong. You are so mighty. You are so powerful. Your love is so great. You are so good. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, that we would press on now. That we would keep the vision God-sized and never settle. I pray that you would fill us with the grace of giving, that we would be um, faith-filled in our giving in a way uh, that is beyond where we've been before. And I pray that you would give us not a spirit of disconnection, but of connection that we would be a people who resolutely choose to plug in to you and to your body, the church. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.